What's up, everybody? Welcome to the State of Wild, episode 79, a regular YouTube video web series podcast thingy. My name is Meowth, and as usual, I'm joined by my two good friends and co-hosts, Raffle and Corbett. How are you guys doing tonight? You know, I'm doing all right. It's uh, what, it's Sunday as of recording this, so it's uh, been a bit of a, a long weekend, but um, had, um, actually, I feel like an improved... Uh, period of time in, in in wild hearthstone after the the nerfs um you know it's i'm sure we'll get into the details um later on in the episode but i feel like everything that we're seeing is kind of um somewhat expected uh in terms of uh, what we discussed last week and what we're anticipating would be the case after the nerf but um in general, a uh, lower population of some of those nerf decks that uh, were growing uh, a little bit tiresome. Yeah, um, I've had kind of a weird week. It all kind of feels like a little bit of a blur, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but, you know, uh, it's been interesting to dive back into Wild after I kind of had some time off and things. Um, and just kind of exploring everything that's going on in the post-nerf world. The, the format does feel... Very different, um, I think I would say. And it's all a little bit up in the air and a little almost confusing, but that's why we're here to break it all down. Yep. I am very excited to talk about the new format because we got nerfs to the three big decks, kind of deleted two of them, and has completely shaken up the meta without even needing a new expansion, which has been pretty interesting. And we'll dive all in, uh, and we'll dive into it all in, in just a little bit here, but we do have to take care of some housekeeping stuff first. So, of course, if you guys are enjoying the podcast, whether you guys are watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff, uh, feel free to like, comment, subscribe. It's a small thing, but it does actually support us a ton. And you can also support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash stateofwild and pick up some cool perks. And, of course, you can always come join the State of the Wild Discord server to come talk all things Wild Hearthstone with the rest of the community. All right, let's hop into it. So, we had a patch on Tuesday. Uh, the big hits. Sork Apprentice deleted. Rapid Fire, kind of deleted from Odd Hunter specifically, and uh, Pirate Warrior slight slight nerfs. So, first of all, what are y'all's first impressions about kind of what the meta is looking like and feeling like uh, a week later? Um, I haven't seen a single Ignite Mage, so there's no <laughs> way for me to assess what that is doing, but I guess like the fact that I haven't seen one um, indicates that people just kind of have the sense that it's not worth trying. Um, you know, if things ever were to slow down a bit, maybe we could see a resurgence of it. But like, you know, I don't, I don't see that happening either. So, um, you don't hold your breath on that. Um, Odd Hunter, you know, it, is weird because like I've seen some reports of people doing well with Odd Hunter, just like minus rapid fire plus other bad cards, I guess. But every time I faced it you really notice how much rapid fire was carrying the deck. I've I've had multiple games where it's like turn 8, turn 9, and not only are they not dropping Tavish, but they cannot complete the quest because they do not have the damage cards in their deck in order to actually complete the quest. And it's just like they're just sitting there waiting to draw something that deals damage so that they can finish their um, their, their quest line. And in the meantime, I just kind of bash them with uh, some minions for a while. And then finally, Pirate Warrior... Um, barely noticeable on the nerf I, I was watching martian the other day after after my stream and you know he had the hot take that it was actually a stealth buff because you can um you know if you're a good player you don't leave rokara in hand to get dirty reddit or mutanist now the quest line just kind of does that for you so you can keep progressing 
the quest line you can keep pushing tempo without holding resources back and then you just get Ricara on six anyway uh with a one drop pirate i'm not willing to go that far i don't think it's a buff i think the real buff to pirate warrior is actually just like losing a bad matchup in in odd hunter and so like it's kind of benefiting from a more uh open favorable metagame and it's like clearly the the most refined deck um in the format when so when there's any amount of uncertainty it's just going to feed on that so i'm not willing to call it a buff but like it's certainly not that noticeable of a nerf just as we discussed yeah i think um ignite mage is probably about as dead as i expected like this doesn't seem like a deck whatsoever i think hunter's actually even a little bit worse than <laughs> what i thought I, I really thought that there was a chance that odd hunter was going to stick around as just like a, a decent you know anti-aggro deck that's still had enough burst over the top to beat out things like i don't know like some of the slower warlock decks right for like something like mechathon warlock but man that nerf um you really do feel it uh i, I had a game as like free shaman when i was playing where i drew like no disruption no cults no low thabs i had um no armor vendors no anything like that very limited card draw and i was just slowly beating the opponent down with by like turn nine and they just just barely completed the quest and just like barely edged out but it, it just goes to show how much that matchup feels uh, different and how a lot of matchups with Lord Hunter feel very different now. And it's probably a lot closer to like tier four and just like something that you don't want to be doing at all um, compared to, you know, where we thought it might have been okay. Um, and, but Pirate Warrior, I think uh, we were all like pretty dead on where we were, you know, um, to differing levels concerned that the Pirate Warrior nerf was going to be enough. And I think the Pirate Warrior is still a tier one deck. It is still arguably the best aggressive deck. I mean, pretty, pretty definitively the best aggressive deck. And that doesn't seem like it's going to be changing anytime soon. This is a uh, very, very small nerf and Pirate Warrior is still going to be king, especially when it comes to pushing out other aggressive decks um, in, in the format. Yeah, I am one for excited. I, for one, am excited that Ignite Mage is gone. Uh, we'll just start with that. Um... I, I was also in that same boat of, like, I think Odd Hunter might still be a deck. And then, like you said, I you play against it. I personally haven't played it, but I think over a large enough sample size, that Rapid Fire change is going to be absolutely brutal for that deck. I have tried a little bit of non-Odd Quest Hunter, and god, I don't know how we were ever sold on maybe the non-Odd version of the deck being good, because it's such a noticeable difference from, like, 3 damage and 2 with the hero power. Like, I sat there... On like turn seven, and I played like five or six cards and weaved in seven hero powers. It was like they're still alive, and I don't know how. Like, how are they still alive with six HP? It's insane to me. Yeah, well, I mean, you can think about how impactful Carriel is against Odd Hunter or was against Odd Hunter, and really all it was doing was turning it back into like a non odd version <laughs> of the Hunter hero power. So it's like, yeah, we were, we were definitely off the mark there, but like, yeah, that deck even though it has more gas in terms of like you know it can get cards moving a little bit better it doesn't have to carry nearly as many bad cards but it's just like you're you're almost just like doing half the damage and it just doesn't feel good to, to do that like three scales a lot quicker than two yeah i mean i will say that like if this was like the first version of the deck that we had tried we would have probably been sold on it and been like, wow, this is like an okay deck. But going from Odd Hunter being a top tier deck to this makes it just feel unplayable. So I don't I don't know if the non-odd version of the deck is any good, but it feels so much worse that I like didn't even want to entertain the idea any further than the like 10 games that I played with it. So 
uh, I don't know. Have you tried any of the non-odd version of the deck? No, I'm just basing this solely on um, my opponents. Like, it feels like they're, I don't know, hit me with a pool noodle or something every time. So it just like, like the, it, I just kind of shrug it off and keep playing. It feels like a, it's way too fair a deck. I think is what it comes down to. Yeah, I've been keeping an eye, uh, just for comedy's sake, of the rapid-fire play rate in Wild, and <laughs> it kind of looks like right now, <laughs> there's about, about like, 1 in 10 Odd Hunters in the, since the patch kind of forgot to take out the rapid-fire, <laughs> for what I'm seeing, uh, which is, uh, you know, unfortunate. But, you know, just like us, they, they too are going to experience what it feels like to only have a 2 damage hero power. All right, so I do want to talk through a lot of these decks individually. I know we've been touching a lot on, on the Hunters themselves. Uh, and I do want to visit Pirate Warrior because it, it did get touched. Deck is still obscenely powerful, right? Would you go as far to say, I know you are talking about the best aggro strategy in the, in the format. Honestly, to me, it still kind of just feels like the best deck in the format and maybe not even particularly close. Well, I mean, we can just look back to the previous vs report and get an assessment of where things are right three decks changed it lost one uh favorable matchup it lost one unfavorable matchup so like the oh it was it was unfavored into the into the mage as well so it kind of oh, was going, it oh, yeah okay. just barely yeah yeah okay well then it just yep. lost two unfavorable <laughs> matchups so you know what's <laughs> the, what's changed it's it's better like <laughs> it, based on that alone you can assume that it's in a better spot than it was prior to the nerf because the nerf really again didn't slow it down that much i think we are maybe even off on like the half a turn um slower because it's just it, Rakar's coming down the same turn and um you know like martian said you don't have to sacrifice tempo necessarily to to get there so i would have to see a very compelling argument to be swayed on the fact that uh, that pirate warrior is not the best deck in the format like again we looked at the stats it didn't it's not as good as or free shaman is not as good as we thought it was into it nobody's playing even warlock right now so that's like what bad matchups does it have none <laughs> like I, i'm asking you guys i don't know what bad oh. matchups does it have if yeah. if nobody's playing even warlock right now yeah, uh, War is pretty much, like, like I'm saying, in almost the exact same position where at a, like upper diamond uh, since the patch, it's still in those low 20s. So it's still like 23, 22% of the meta at that upper diamond, which is kind of what we saw um, in the last VS report. Um, again, as per usual, when you get to Legend, that just basically halves. So, you know, Legend players just aren't as interested in Pirate Warrior right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, the win rate is still really good, right? Like, Warrior still has like an over 53% win rate as a class. Now, class win rates aren't always useful because... You know, there's a whole bunch of bit different decks that go into that whole class win rate. War is kind of an exception because there is only like one warrior deck. So you can see that like 53% win rate and be like, yeah, that's just how good Pirate Warrior is. Like, it's still really good. There's not really a ton of stuff that beats it. It looks like maybe, you know, like we know that Inner Fire can beat it. We know that even Warlock beats it. It looks like Free Shaman might have gained a little bit of an edge in that matchup. Meowth seems to disagree. Um, but <laughs> overall, Warrior doing incredibly well, uh, I think, so far is still, you know, if not the best deck, um, it's definitely involved in that conversation. Yeah. Well, I think we can dive more into it when we talk about the Free Shaman specifically. But that matchup just... Mm -hmm. I know we had brought it up as, like, it and Megathune were maybe potential counters to Pirate Warrior coming into the new patch. And then you were saying, eh, maybe not, because Pirate Warrior looks like it's still kind of favored into those. Today, I kind of finally established that if the Pirate Warrior has a cannon or a cannoneer 
at any point in the first like three or four turns and you don't have flurgle talks you lose the game like it's not even close and so i i'm not like, even willing to say it's like close to 50 50 it feels pretty unfavorable for the shaman right in like that's that's kind of how the deck operates though like even even it's bad matchups even odd hunter wasn't that bad of a matchup even though like people were calling odd hunter the counter to pirate warrior like it can just scam games because you know in those games um the the quest line doesn't even matter that much it's just like you said it's about getting those early cannon shots and just like putting applying early pressure to the point where the opponent's hero explodes like you know the those draws are always are, are going to beat most decks and the deck you know, as it gets more and more high-value pirates, it seems to hit those draws more consistently. So, yeah, the cannoneer curve and even, like, certain uh, captain curves can, in, with, in the case of the, the captain, kind of always have just, like, one games. And, um, you know, the, the captain curve becomes a little bit more frequent now as well because you have so many high-value one-mana pirates that you can just, like, spam them, drop a cannon or a captain behind it and you know no nothing's beating that i mean nothing's really changed pirate warrior sold the deck to be at least in especially in diamond where it's you said low 20s right 22 23 percent mm-hmm. so yeah you those of you who thought you would be getting a break from pirate warrior when the patch hit that's happens to not be the case um so let's let's talk about some other decks here in the meta uh, and we talked a little bit about megathane warlock coming into this patch where we were talking about does the power level of this deck go up when we remove stuff like the Ignite Mage and the Odd Hunters, which were two pretty brutal counters to the deck? I have seen a lot of Megathune. I've played a lot of Megathune. I'm still not like 100% sold like on the on the Pirate Warrior matchup. It still feels pretty brutal as well sometimes, but the Shaman matchup is actually super interesting. I don't know if you have been on either end of that, uh, that matchup very much in the past couple of uh, days, but... It's actually a really, really interesting matchup to play. I imagine it uh, hinges a lot on, like, rats and devolves. <laughs> and uh, I, I've been sort of on the, the shaman side of it, but, like, I was doing dumb shaman things, but, like, still in a Shatterwalk shell. Um, so, you, I mean, like, the, the Flactory gives them a little bit of rat resilience, but then the devolve kind of... Um, it like resets that so you kind of need to draw both cards at the at the same time and uh use them wisely so i could definitely see that being like an interesting bit of um i don't know dancing around on uh on, on both sides but um i'm not i like i don't see enough mechathon warlocks to know how that matchup swings necessarily and you know it's if it feels like a very feast or famine deck in terms of its draws, so like it's it's hard to get an assessment out of it of it when you you know just play a small sample of games because like there are times where it just bombs and it's like the deck didn't do anything, and then there are other times where it's like comboing super quickly because it drew an early rod, had the time to play it, and like it spins through its deck and it's done. So I don't know. It, it feels like one extreme or the other, and I would say that maybe that means that it's a little bit inconsistent in terms of being like a top tier deck, especially with the uh, the like the speed of rod is really a critical um, 
aspect of it, and that getting nerfed twice it makes it a lot slower. Yeah, the um, the warrior matchup that Meowth touched on just at first, like how does that feel into Megathune? A lot of people feel like Megathune's a hard counter. It's it's not. Like it's uh it's probably like slightly warrior favored if anything. Um and that is actually one of the worst matchups that Megathune has. Like Megathune, I think, you're you're asking, you know, like, is Warrior the best deck? And I, I kind of a little bit hesitant to say it outright, because I think Megathune Warlock is actually probably the best deck right now. Um I just don't think it has many negatives at all like uh the, the way the format is right now just because it did lose that ignite mage and it did lose that odd hunter matchup it was already tier one like before the patch and it lost like it's two worst matchups and these weren't like a little bit unfavorables these are very brutal unfavorables that have uh kind of gone away so yeah i think i think mechathon warlock is currently the best and um i i'm actually interested to see whether mechathon warlock is actually the best thing to do in in warlock with that shell because there's been a bit of like owl warlock resurgence in standard just very you know there are some whispers and it does kind of make me wonder if that's just a better approach in wild now that you know ice block isn't really a, a factor um if the combo is a little bit faster you know because you don't have to draw your entire deck perhaps our warlock might be just a little bit better if it's like better in the mirror and things like that I saw that um, there have been lists popping up in China that have actually been comboing with a uh, Sand Trooper to go a little mm -hmm. bit faster, as well as just like packing that um, that package into like a Reno shell and using it as a finisher. So I think that maybe there's some potential in there. Um, it feels like Sand Trooper sometimes just doesn't have enough reach to get there, yeah. though. So if you're using that solely as your win condition, it seems uh, a little bit suspect to me, but like. I could, yeah, I don't know. The the ten mana is a lot for for Megathune, and you have to run some bad cards if you want to cheat him out with uh, the Shadow Reaper Vol'jin. Well, I wonder this this was brought up today when I was streaming about this Owl Warlock Resurgence. What does it do, right? Like better than Megathune Warlock is my question because you have to take that time to set up your Owl right with the the Plague of Flames or Grimoire, and so. Is that really that much faster than the Megathune shell? Because like well, drawing I mean, the entire deck doesn't feel like it's a downside because that deck has no issue drawing its entire deck by turn ten. Yeah, right. But that's the by turn ten. The, the question is like, is the combo faster? Because it, like, what is the upside of the owl combo? If it's faster, then that's a huge upside. It means that you're well, winning the mirror. So you're comboing on what turn specifically, right? Like turn eight, turn nine. I mean, it, ultimately, it depends just like how fast and what what cards get discounted off the rod, yeah. and like whether you're able to get that owl developed preemptively, right? Like, uh, if you go, um, you know, like coin, coin rod, for example, and then you get a like an owl discount to six, you can drop that owl, kill it off, and then it's OTK on seven. Like that, like that's a that's a thing that you could do. Um, but ultimately, it's not like a hard turn the same way that Megathon Warlock doesn't necessarily have like an exact turn that it combos off. It's very dependent on which pieces. But um, in theory, like, yeah, if it's faster, then that's a huge upside just because it does immediately win the mirror. And if there is no real relevant difference between killing the opponent and, you know, dealing 50 damage or whatever, like, the mech the owl damage is, if that's, like, not a difference because ice block isn't a thing, then why wouldn't you be playing owl lock? I think something else to consider, too, is there are just fewer combo pieces involved in the, the owl uh combo than there are mechathun mechathun you're running what three dedicated combo pieces owl you're running two so that's like 
I don't know. Uh, owl, owl, you have the Owl, the Tamsin, and the Flactory. So versus like Volge and Catamechathun. Right. But... I mean, but like Tamsin has value outside mm -hmm. of uh, outside of that. So I wouldn't call her necessarily a combo piece. I guess that's just like another utility piece. So that's like your your thirtieth card that that differs from that. So I guess it's not that much different. I guess my main concern when it comes to Alok, and I'm not dismissing it, like it might legitimately be the better way to play it. I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm thinking out loud on the podcast as we were, as we were recording because mm -hmm. you have brought this up. Like, what what would you consider the worst matchups right now for Mechathene Warlock? Because I, I think that Shaman matchup is actually super difficult if the, the Shaman decks are running Double Rat, Double Devolve, Mutanus, Boom Pistols, and Lothab. Like, that matchup feels extremely difficult as the Mechathene Warlock. And so does the Owl potentially help in that matchup specifically? Um, specifically into, into the Shaman? Um, I mean, I imagine the matchup into the Shaman is probably, like, highly similar, right? Like, okay. Because you're running the same amount of really ratable pieces. Um, I, I, suppose, I suppose the uh, Tamsin or Owl getting ratted and devolved would be a lot worse than just the, like, Vulgin, right? Like, because you could still combo through a Vulgin. So um, maybe that doubles the amount of like bad targets for the warlock, which could make a difference. Maybe that means Mechathun's better yeah. into Shaman. Um, but there, there are other other benefits really, where like you're you're very incentivized to run things like um, Grimoire in the Owl Warlock because you know you can kill off your own Owl and and things like that. Um, and that might make the Pirate Warrior matchup uh, a little bit better if you switch the build up like that. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think they're probably like very, very similar matchups red-wise, and I, I'm not sure how much of a difference it makes. It's just something that I kind of thought of, and then yeah, later that day, I saw the uh, China list pop up, and I, I haven't had the chance to try it myself, but uh, I saw like Shia was playing a bit of it the other day on stream, so we'll see if it catches on. Do you think there's anything else that could be in there outside of just Owl and Mechathune? Any other spicy win cons that we might be um... missing? <laughs> I mean, someone did hit me with a, a Fel Reaver Treachery combo the other day. I don't know if that's going to catch on too much. Um, but no, those are that's pretty much the, the clear-cut ones, I think, that are, that are around. I don't know what you're talking about. I shuffled the was like over 50 primes into my deck the other day, and that was pretty sweet. Uh, and then I just burned my opponent's deck with Ticketus. Easy game. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Treachery is going to be better, but I, I am going to try it. I think that it's probably between those two um until they print another like I, I i can't see a dedicated cobalt sand trooper deck being good enough that's like that's 21 damage you would have to run like a baron rivendare which makes the combo clunkier which offsets the fact that you're able to get it down earlier than the owl you're running an additional piece so it like it just doesn't it, it doesn't seem right to me to do that or you also when you're running uh tamsin and the phylactery, you run into issues where maybe you play two rods and reduce the uh, the phylactery too much, and then you can't double the combo. So I had less trouble than I thought I would getting the owl in the death rattle um, when I played the uh, the owl lock the like very early on, and um, it just didn't seem worth to me to like go through all those additional hoops to deal less damage, <laughs> and um, so yeah, I just went that route. Um, so I, I think it's definitely between the, the owl and the the warlock until we see more similar death rattles, which are probably inevitable. So it's definitely like something to keep an eye on for a while. Like you know, that's there's going to be some you know filler like mega leper 
in later patches <laughs> that um that or later expansions that deal even just like five damage would be plenty because then you've got a clean 35 true all right let's move on to kind of the third of the big popular decks right now on ladder uh so let's talk about free shaman or control shaman or shutterwalk shaman or whatever name you want to give this deck uh the deck that revolves around shutterwalk and snowfall guardians and whatever tech cards you want to run because boom pistol bully lotheb cult neophytes whatever dirty rats it's it's the control shaman build right super popular i believe on ladder i i'm not 100 percent sold on this being like a top tier deck but i do think the deck is pretty powerful like we were talking about prior to the patch um how are you guys feeling about the shaman builds themselves um I think they could probably use a little bit of refinement with the the shift in the metagame. I think that, um, you know, they some of the things that they were maybe looking at Tekken against were decks like Odd Hunter and um, Ignite Mage, just because the matchup was pretty poor. Uh, so you ran quite a bit of spell hate, which maybe is still warranted um, based on you know one or two of the uh, the other decks that we might touch on, but like. I'm sure there's ways that you can make that pirate warrior matchup a little bit more favorable. Like, you know, could you, you could fit some Galaka crawlers in there. Mm-hmm. You could uh, you could maybe bring back the the harpy and um, give yourself a little bit more time now that Snowfall Guardian is um, is a little bit slower to hit the board. Like, I I think just recycling the same list that you were using prior to the. Um, prior to the nerfs is maybe not the way to go and um you know you should consider what decks are actually you know in the format right right now so i think there's maybe some wiggle room with it i, I definitely do think it is a uh, like a top tier deck it was you know like you said it was good before uh the changes not much has um has varied there other than like i imagine those two matchups were pretty miserable for free shaman too so like if if it lost two bad matchups, it's going to be in a better spot as well. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of um, expected and are made or this to be the best deck or one of the best decks. But I think that those people are maybe underestimating Pirate Warriors still because like like we've always talked about, people at High Legend don't seem to um, be too high on it. So... Like they're, I don't think they're considering it, and maybe they're not considering it with their builds, and that's why, like, we're we're seeing some of this, um, you know, these poor uh, matchup spreads against it. But um, I definitely think it's a, a top tier deck, but I I, I don't see it above uh, Pirate Warrior for sure. Like, I think it's, um, you know, it, it's a good deck, but not the best deck. Yeah, I was so concerned about Shaman, and then I, I played a lot of Shaman. And I won with it a lot, <laughs> and I uh, I came very close to right one, but um, then it just kind of turns out Shaman doesn't seem that oppressive. At, at the same time, like when you, we're looking at the stats, it's very confusing to me. Right, I, I kind of felt like Shaman was going to be this absolute force, and I I mean it kind of just looks wrong. Like I I'm not sure what really is going on. It feels like the deck doesn't really have too many brutal matchups. I think, like, it's one favorite into Mechathun Warlock, and uh, there's other stuff running around, like Spell in a Fire Priest, um, and things like that, which don't feel, at least feel, uh, amazing for the Shaman. But 
while Shaman doesn't seem to have many counters that really beat it, it also doesn't seem to, like, beat down a lot of these decks by, like, a ton. Um, and so, you know, maybe in a world with no unfavorables, it doesn't really have a ton of favorables right now either. Do you think part of the reason it doesn't have many favorables is the fact that, like, it lives in a world with Pirate Warrior, which does not allow for board-based decks to, like, get a footing and just kind of has bullied out the decks that free shaman would do a good job of beating aside from maybe even warlock where i imagine that matchup isn't very much fun for the uh the the warlock getting their giants frozen turn after turn but like uh, other board based decks can't really get much of a footing because pirate warrior exists and just like cannons them off the board and so they're not on ladder so free shaman has nothing to freeze yeah, I, I mean, that's definitely true, right? Like, things like Agra Druid, right? Like, you can't imagine that's very fun for the Druid getting devolved and frozen, and, you know, there are some nasty things that happen there to poor little patches. But, um, you know, you, what, what you're saying, like, it's not like people play Pirate Warrior at the ranks that I'm at a ton at, you know? Like, people just don't gravitate towards Pirate Warrior, but it still feels like Shaman is in this weird position where it's being sort of the focus of a lot of the games that I'm seeing, where people are kind of targeting it, people are very focused on, like, finding the next off-board strategy, whether it is Mechathon Warlock or it is, like, Quest Rogue, which uh, we'll get to. Um, a lot of these off-board strategies that are kind of aimed at replacing Ignite and Odd Hunter, and, you know, people are just generally pushing away from, you know, a lot of that early game stuff that, uh, you know, this deck should be very strong into. Um, I do think you're totally right as well about the refinement. And the fact that Shaman does need to sort of figure itself out. Um, and there are definitely some things that we could do uh, to kind of fix up the build. But for now, Shaman isn't really quite what I was expecting. Although it does seem still solid, uh, nonetheless. All right, well, we'll dive more into the Shaman decks themselves uh, over the next couple of weeks. Because I think it'll be interesting to see how the builds themselves change and trickle down. Because I, I'm sure that there's a mess of deck list out there and the decks that are working like the ones that you publish that are close hitting rank one legend people are probably net decking that and playing it against a bunch of pirate warrior when your deck is not yeah. specifically tuned for that and so that might be something that uh, is contributing uh, to to the win rate you might be seeing on something like hs replay yeah, I mean, Shaman as a class still has a very high win rate. So it can it's be, like, low sample, like, yada, yada, yada. It's only a few hundred games. Like, we're very early days in Wild, so you can definitely take a lot of this with a, you know, grain of salt. Um, but yeah, Shaman still looks like one of the better classes, well over 50% win rate um, at Legend and through Diamond. So, you know, it's still still good without being the oppressive, absolutely terror, terrifying force that I, I was uh, expecting and dreading, and hopefully I'm wrong about. Yeah. I think we'll come back to, to Shaman here a little bit towards the end of the podcast, but I do want to talk about a couple of other decks here that Sleeper, Sleeper really good, right? Um, the three decks that we talked about, Pirate Warrior, Mechathene, Warlock, Control Shaman, these were kind of decks that we had talked about coming into this patch. Uh, decks to keep an eye on, decks that we expect to be strong, um, but there are a lot of other decks that have kind of popped over, popped up over the past week uh, that have also seemed really, really strong uh, and like they have the potential to, to stick around long term. Uh, so the first one are two decks that are pretty well-known that we've t- we've seen in the format before. Uh, so let's start with Hand Buff Paladin. Hand Buff Paladin, you're talking about off-board strategies. Seems really good uh, into stuff like Shaman, where you don't really mind the uh, the freeze effects if you're running about six or seven something chargers. Uh, the deck doesn't feel very good into Pirate Warrior, but uh, I don't know if you guys have messed around with it a little bit. I know this was like on the cusp of being 
a really really good deck prior to the patch so how are you feeling about it post patch i think it's i don't know i haven't i haven't seen or played it enough but i would estimate it's probably in a similar place it's probably a good deck that's being underplayed for its power level which is where it was uh prior to the changes yeah um i, I haven't really played a ton either i haven't played against it um but, you know, based on what I have seen, uh, it seems to be about, you know, like Ruffle said, exactly where it was. Um, I don't think it's going to be Stellar to Shaman. I do think that it sort of doesn't have uh, incredible matchups as a whole against some of the better stuff. Like you were saying, me out the uh, the poor Pirate Warrior matchup as well. Um, but it just seems like an okay choice that players probably aren't going to be too excited to try because it's a Paladin deck. All right. How about these slower Druid decks that were picking on War uh, Hunter? And now Hunter is gone. But so is the Ignite Mage matchup that was really poor for him. So whether we're talking about Cthune Control Druid or Linecracker Druid with Mechathune, how are we feeling about these slower combo decks? I mean, if uh, Mechathune Warlock is going to be cropping up, I feel like the uh, Mechathune version is probably going to be a little bit too slow. And even maybe the Cthune is like not going to be faster than the, the Mechathune in terms of getting this combo off so that i mean you can almost substitute uh megathune warlock for what uh, ignite mage was trying to do in terms of like being the off board uh the combo deck in the format and i would wager that uh the megathune warlock probably has a heavily favored matchup into um Cthune and then or the slower druids and then it just especially since it's running like dirty rats for the the megathune linecracker uh version of the deck like uh, that's it doesn't have the backup plan that uh that megathune warlock does nor has does it have like the uh um you know redundancy and minions so like that's got to be a pretty miserable matchup that just kind of replaces that um ignite mage and then it lost it's like overwhelmingly yeah. best matchup that was one of the main reasons to to play the deck i think the deck's still good but like not nearly it i i I think it would be hard to say that, you know, like last week we talked about the fact that maybe Linecracker is a sleeper tier one deck. Um, I don't think that's probably the case anymore. And, you know, I think that Cthulhu had probably got knocked down a bit too. Um, still viable decks, but like not, you know, not the super strong decks in the format anymore in losing that. Uh, because the, the honestly, again, the Warrior matchup isn't that good. Yeah, totally agree with everything you just said. The um, decks are still okay, but they're probably both versions, like Lion Cracker and the Cthulhu, probably just like nudge down, you know, almost a tier, like half a tier kind of thing. Still good, but, you know, they lost Hunter and they needed Hunter. Yeah. They might make a comeback that Owl Warlock becomes the most popular version of that deck instead of Mechathune because they can gain a crap load of armor. Who knows? Uh, owls can do a lot of damage <laughs> like we'll say it depends how fast they can lie cracker but yeah those owls they can uh they can pop off yeah, we'll see we'll see um and the last but not least i know we've talked about even luck a little bit here but i wanted to bring this back up because we've been talking about pirate warrior and how good that deck is and you've mentioned even luck is one of the few decks that feel really good into pirate warrior is there a reason that we're not seeing it more does it have a poor matchup into something like the Mechathune Warlock and the Shaman that just are deterring people from playing the deck? It's a Gen deck, Meowth. It's a Gen and Baku deck, which means that nobody wants to play the Gen and Baku deck. It's the most exciting Gen and Baku deck because you play Giants on turn 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 until they die. So, 
I was actually just uh, playing a little bit off stream, waiting uh, for the podcast time to start, and it, it seemed pretty good. Um, I was uh, expecting Shaman to be a miserable matchup, and I beat the two Shamans that I faced. Um, you know, it turns out, contrary to my um, experience on stream, they don't always have Snowfall Guardian into Macaw <laughs> uh, immediately. And when that happens, you just battle master them and they die. Um, so, yeah, like, so again, we look at what's gone now. And what's gone is it we lost APM or um, Ignite Mage, APM Mage as well, and uh, Odd Hunter, and those were horrendous matchups for even Warlock. Um, you know, we probably expect a rise in Free Shaman popularity at least, so maybe that's what's giving people a little bit of hesitation in terms of why they aren't playing it. But like the. <laughs> it's maybe one of the best decks in the pirate warrior so if you're at those um you know low diamond ranks this might be the deck for you and you should play it more yeah uh i mean i for one would be down to see even Lock come back as much as we talk about getting baku decks giants on three and four and five are are very satisfying and and all that all right so let's uh let's move on to kind of two sleeper really really good decks i don't even know if you can call them sleeper after we talked about one of these last week uh specifically inner fire priest uh inner fire priest we talked about last week as being a very very good matchup into pirate warrior right this is why it was popping up in the metagame it had a place that that place was beating up on pirate warriors it also kind of seems now with the inclusion of the uh the potion of madness wave of apathy kind of package uh of cards shaman doesn't really feel like it's very happy to see stuff like the inner fire priest because you don't put on enough pressure if you don't get that loath of lockout and then they just steal one of your snowfall guardians or your dirty rat or even your one three and they kind of just kill you uh with a bunch of power wood fortitudes and divine spirits and inner fire so inner fire priest i think low-key might be up there uh <laughs> should be definitely up there in that conversation with that top three and maybe even higher than that yeah, I was kind of expecting the uh, wave potion builds to maybe see a resurgence because of um, you know that sh that shift that might bring more free shamans in. Just and it, also, I was expecting more even warlocks, but I was wrong about that. That like that's another matchup where you, you're just like receiving gifts <laughs> when the opponent plays a big a big thing against you. So um, I could definitely see builds with that um, combo making a resurgence but like i don't know it's, it's it's one of those cards that it feels like there are 40 cards you want to add to it and pairing that down is really difficult so i think there's definitely some refinement that's going to be done and that's scary <laughs> to, to think about like i don't know yeah they're uh they're the two distinct like in a fire price builds right there's the direct thought web lord stuff then we have the spell things um it feels like uh at least in my games uh people are really trying a lot of the spell based stuff so the um the stealing and you know otk you um either like with a infantry or with your own minion which, which is always always a little bit sad when your own trooper your own little guy comes and kills you with a 50 attack um but apart from that like i, I think that the the drakthar weblord build is going to be better but people in general are going to probably gravitate away from it just because i mean it hasn't caught on yet and uh, people don't seem to typically like that kind of deck as much. Um, 
you know, it, it can be a bit depressing have you, having your minions sort of like remove off the board, remove off the board, devolved, and yada, yada, yada. And for a lot of people, it just feels better to just like play a more spell-based off-board game plan, um, especially when shamans are kind of running around stuff. So, I don't know. Um, Inner Fire Priest, though, definitely really, really good. Um, I, I would suggest, though, playing the, the Drek'thar uh, stuff uh, in general, even if, you know, a lot of people don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to assume the Drek'thar, Deathlord uh, version of the decks have to be better into all the Pirate Warriors, right? Than oh, yeah. uh, the spell-based versions of the decks. So if you're queuing into a lot of Pirate Warriors, I think the Drek'thar, Drek'thar version is definitely the way to go. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see. Inner Fire always feels like it's one of those decks that has a pretty high skill cap, has like a little bit of an explosion onto the scene, and then people just kind of give up on it very, very quickly. Uh, for kind of whatever reason, even if it does feel like it has a place in the metagame. I, I mean, it's never been this good. Like, it hasn't been this good since Extra Arms, I think. So it really has been a while um, since we've seen something like this. I, I don't know if the current version is as difficult to play, really, as the decks that we've seen in the past. Um, for whatever reason, like, maybe this is because it's it's a bit more of a Drek'thar simulator, <laughs> um, if we're talking about that version of the deck, um, which does make things a little bit different. But... Yeah, I mean, it has been a long time, and so I, I don't know if people are going to gravitate towards it because it does sometimes feel really bad. And, that, and like, how things feel matters just as much as, you know, win rate and what you like and, and all that kind of thing. All right, fair enough. And uh, the last deck I do want to touch on here a little bit is uh, is Quest Rogue. We're talking about decks that have made a resurgence over the past couple of months. We're talking about Unguro Quest Rogue, the... Play four minions, they become five fives for the rest of the game once you play that crystal core. Uh, I know, Corb, you have been a kind of big proponent of this. I know the entire THL team brought Quest Rogue because of uh, you and Marty. What is Quest? Why is Quest Rogue good? Why Why should you be playing it? Um, Because it lost a lot of its bad matchups and uh, there's a lot of stuff still going on that's really good. So Quest Rogue looked like complete dog, you know what? Um, when we did the last VS report, but with things like Ignite Mage and Old Hunter pushed out of the meta, and you know, kind of leaving a lot of the late game strategies as Shaman, as Mechathon Warlock, as Druid, it gives the Quest Rogue so much more time to kind of, you know, complete its quest and then punch face. Like it, it has more of a turn eight lethal clock, which is fine into Druids, not so fine into Ignite Mage <laughs> when you would die on turn six. Um, so right now, Quest Rogue, I think. I mean, you called it Sleeper. I mean, I think it's actually really, really good. Um, like, really good. And, you know, I felt very comfortable bringing it into THL this week, especially because when you do get that Warrior ban, um, it becomes even, even like, stronger. It's, like, so good, I think, with the uh, aggro ban. Um, so if you aren't seeing a lot of Shadow Priest, if you aren't seeing a lot of Pirate Warrior, this can definitely be a super strong option for you. Like, it automatically just farms Druid, brutal into the Druid. And still has, you know, enough speed and enough charge damage to totally wipe the floor with things like uh, Mechathon Warlock. So, I think it's taken a long time. <laughs> it's taken a really long time. But we've finally seen, you know, the dangers, the ominous presence of Quest Rogue, Caverns Below, uh, come to fruition. You know, I, I'm, I'm obviously going to take your stance on this and believe you over me but like in my experience <laughs> like the the deck just seems bad <laughs> like every time i queue against it it's just like the, oh that's good for me i i get time to set up and do my thing because they take time to take uh to complete the mm -hmm. quest i can actually like 
you know play against you know compared to something like pirate warrior where they're you know online a little bit slower the pirate warrior is but like i don't know i feel like i can stop them from realizing the game plan a little bit easier than i can uh, a pirate warrior and it's just like i don't know they don't have that much burst and even when they do they it's a hard time to find it like you know you just account for maybe 15 to 20 burst and that's about it because like they can't really save the shadow steps and the, the daring escapes because then they're not completing the quest and then they're not getting that chip damage in. So it's not like they're going to OTK you. They are threatening, um, you know, big boards that do uh, push a, a lot of damage and that can be spooky. But like, I don't know. I feel like I can actually respond to it. So the, <laughs> that uh, it, that feels a little bit better. I don't know what my win rate is against it, but like based on just memory alone, which is obviously fallible, it doesn't seem that good. But like, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's just a different metagame at uh, at higher ranks, and like it's not queuing into all those uh, pirate warriors because it's like, you know, down in the dumpster. Like I, I don't know. I see a rogue. I breathe a sigh of relief <laughs> because it, like at least I can, like it, at least I can respond to what they're doing because like it, it's a very very predictable set of plays. I just you know prepare for a um, potential prep quest completion and if they have it um you know I, I can prepare for it if if they don't even better i get more time yeah i i feel like quest rig is going to be the very much like the inner fire priest scenario where sometimes it's going to feel like it's helpless and then sometimes you have a quest complete on turn four because you have drawn your ram commanders and shadow steps or your freebooters and shadow steps but i do think that it's right now it's very much taking advantage of a slower metagame at the top of uh, the top or higher ranks of legend i should say because there's not very much pirate warrior and outside of that there's very little aggro priest nobody's playing stuff like even hunter so there's not very much aggro for the quest rogues to worry about at higher legend and so therefore i think that's it's thriving because of that i do not know if it'll stick around long term once the dust settles on the metagame and i also just don't know if people are going to enjoy playing it because the deck new new quest rogue compared to old quest rogue is i was talking about like night mage being some of the most linear boring gameplay like quest rogue honestly kind of feels similar to that it's like draw your freebooters and draw your ram commanders and your shadow step and and then yay you're you're done which kind of sucks given og quest rogue and the rep that it it got in its play pattern but i don't know i this is one that i'm a little bit skeptical on uh, I haven't played too much of it myself, so I mean, take that with a grain of salt. But I, I'll be interested to see if it sticks around long term. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not going to. I don't know. I, I've been wrong too many times doubting Corb, so <laughs> I'm I'm still going to trust that he, that he's right about this. But like, I'm 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 having a hard time doing so. I'm skeptical. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll check it next week. Um, you know, maybe this is maybe this is just advanced bait. I'm trying to you know bait a whole new audience beyond just my stream. <laughs> I mean, I will say you you did bait me to bring this to THL, and this is my first loss of the season. So I already am already doubting you. Not not a big is fan that, of the is that you? Is that a is that a you problem though? Is that a skill issue perhaps? Uh, it was totally not a skill issue. Lineup sucked. <laughs> totally. That's that's what I'm going to go with at least. Mm. All right. We've talked about the decks that we were expecting to be good uh, and the decks that we think low-key are good that you probably should be playing a little bit more of. Uh, I do want to touch back on this uh, this Control Shaman deck because 
it has become a very controversial topic in Twitch chats and on Twitter. And so I know Rolf and I had a discussion about this in Twitch chat the other day, and I kind of wanted to bring it over to the podcast, get Corb's opinion, and kind of just air air our laundry about this deck because I, I've i seen the word... I, I made a tweet about this too, about the word uninteractive being thrown out a lot about the Shaman deck in general. Um, so first of all, what does that mean to you guys? Well, I mean, words have words have meaning. So, Are so you like, sure? do they really? <laughs> so we can just look at like the definition of what interactive means, and and interactive is inherently like. I, I how do you define the word without um, <laughs> using the word without using the word? But it's basically two two things influencing one another, and the critical thing is that there are two things that have to interact in order for it to be an interaction. Like, so, um, you know, it's a, it's a back and forth. It's a give and take. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's almost like a conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. So like, it, it's not just one person talking. It's again, it, it's a conversation. There's give and take between, between two things. So in Hearthstone, unfortunately, because of the way, because you can only make plays on your own turn, there isn't a lot of space for interaction. And, the primary place where interaction happens is just the board. Like you get to play minions, you get to dictate trades, and and even when you're dictating trades, there isn't a whole lot of interaction. It's just you know it's that you know back and forth uh, for the board removal. You know is a way to interact with your opponent's board. So basically, like honestly, the board is the place where interaction happens. In in my opinion. A lot of people use the term uninteractive for simply losing the game, or I think Hat brought up a good point where they feel as though they don't have agency in the outcome of the game. But like, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. Like, I, I, again, um, you know, you're always going to have uh, nut draws that uh, maybe you don't draw the ways that you can interact with, or you didn't even add those cards to your deck but like that's still a choice in uh in your deck building that's kind of being punished in in that aspect so uh, i guess all of that is to say that there are inherently very few ways to interact with your opponent in in hearthstone because like the only like common ground is the uh the board state uh yeah so as ruffle saying interaction is very much a uh two-way thing there's no such thing as like me just interacting you and then the opponent not having the chance to interact back it doesn't really work like that um and so that's why the uh like rebel saying the primary interaction does come on the board where both players have resources and can sort of do the trades and all that kind of stuff um but in, in general uh I, I kind of disagree a little bit about the the polarizing matchup thing i think that when matchups for example are like a 90 10 um there isn't a lot of influence that each player can you know have over the other person um, or on the game as a whole. So in, in a sense, I think like highly polarized decks are uninteractive um, in a lot of ways if they can't be sufficiently targeted in certain matchups or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, uh, interaction to me in, in Hearthstone is just what can I do and what is my opponent doing that meaningfully influences the outcome of the game? And it, it's pretty, pretty much as simple as that. What, how do our choices, how do our cards change what both players are doing from both perspectives so i, I want to relate that to 
the Shaman deck, because that's what people are currently talking about as being a deck that does not want to be interactive with the opponent. It wants to kind of softwalk opponents out of the game by repeating a bunch mm-hmm. of taxing battle cries, whether that's Bully or Lotheb or Snowfall Guardian, uh, whatever the choice is for that matchup. And so, I, I mean, my definition of interactive is... I, <laughs> does my game plan force the opponent's game plan to change right based on the situation because if i if you look at something like ignite mage i think ignite mage was the definition of something that was uninteractive because regardless of the matchup the ignite mages did the same thing every game they played a bunch of tradables they played a nice block they comboed you on turn five or turn six whereas shamans like i i feel like the decks they vary their behavior based upon what the opponent is doing and what they play forces the opponent to change their game plan. And I, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but to me, that just inherently makes that deck a lot more interactive than something the thing like that I, The thing that I disagree with, Meowth, is say, like the way you're phrasing things, uh, the free shaman does something that changes how the, shaman does, how the opponent does things. And how I play cards as shaman makes my opponent play differently. There's not a whole lot of my opponent plays cards and then changes what I'm doing. You know, it's a very, like, one-way conversation, which is inherently sort of a little bit against what interaction um, is to me. Um, Interaction is not I play cards and then my opponent can't do anything ever. Like, because then there's no back and forth, right? Like, if I'm playing a spell-based deck and my opponent plays Lothab and I pass, and then they play another Lothab effect, and then I pass... And then I play another Lothab effect, and then I pass. I'm not having choices in how that game is going in any capacity, and it is entirely dependent on what the Shaman is doing and what the Shaman drew, and I am having all agency and interaction with the Shaman taken away from me. And that is why I find Shaman uninteractive, because locking the opponent out from doing anything is not interactive. That is a one-way conversation against a brick wall. So would you say yeah. something like Tax Paladin is uninteractive? Because it had the same strategy it was not to the extent that shaman went right because but their whole game plan was softwalking opponents out of playing their cards and in a game like hearthstone i i brought this up earlier in in the year where we're saying tax paladin forces my opponents to interact with me and that's a good thing shaman is doing that a little bit more to an extreme and i'll admit that but does that that doesn't really change that whole dynamic no no it does because of where the interaction is happening where the interaction is happening for Paladin is on the board, which is again that like neutral ground that you can you can respond to, right? You can remove their watch post, you can remove their weblord, you can you know y- you can test for Omayog. Oh you actually have agency in the outcome of those effects. Um, with Shaman, all of those same or those effects are coming from hand, where you have very few ways to like actually you know, dictate whether or not they, they get played, how long they last is all determined by the opponent's hand. And so that that's very different. So again, like Core brought up the, the spell-based effect with Lotheb Chains. Well, what if you're playing for board and you, you just have nothing but minions in your deck and the Shaman drops a Snowfall Guardian followed by a Macaw, followed by a Macaw, followed by a Snowfall Guardian, followed by a Grumble. You just, you that's five to eight straight turns that you just are not playing Hearthstone. And so like... I don't know. To me, saying that like free shaman is um, is an interactive deck is like shouting at someone for fifteen minutes and calling that a conversation. Like you're <laughs> one person is doing all of the talking there. One person is dictating 
the entire course of the game and you're just kind of left helpless there like if if i'm not playing the game for multiple turns in a row let's just say it's three turns they just have a macaw and a grumble like if i'm not playing hearthstone for three turns like that's not interactive like i'm <laughs> i'm i'm not playing the game i'm watching the the shaman play the game if i and like you know, I I can't do anything about that if I happen to need minions to go face from the board. If I'm not playing damage from hand, like, I don't get to play Hearthstone against Shaman. Yeah, and there's kind of, like, two things there that Ruff mentioned that I want to tie in. The first is, like, Cloak of Shadows, right? We just had the Poison Rogue nerf in, in Standard. Um, and, you know, the uninteractive of Poison Rogue was something that was kind of labeled uh, at the deck. And a lot of time, like, Snowfall Guardian and Cloak of Shadows are the same card except one of them comes with a giant. <laughs> like they, A lot of the time when you keep chaining that effect, whether it's like Cloak into Cloak into Scabs or Guardian into Guardian into Macaw, it, it is a situation where like players are skipping turns and feeling that they're not actually doing anything and that the only one player is really having a chance to do stuff. Um, the the other thing that I want to mention is that you, you were talking about the 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 extent, right? Like the, the difference between this and Tax Paladin. Um, and I think Ruffle did hit on, like, one, you know, key point where, like, you know, removing the watch post kind of, you know, like, takes away that issue or, like, being able to remove a weblord. But, uh, I think the biggest thing is the extent does matter. Like, it, it does actually matter a lot whether, how extreme a, an effect like that, like that is. Because, like, Cult Neophyte is an example of a tech card that I really, really like because... It is very good against spell-based decks, but it doesn't completely lock players out. Um, it's very very much the same thing with other sort of softer tech cards, which I'm always a big fan of, and why I don't like things like Lothab. I don't want my opponent to not be able to play the game at all. Like, that doesn't sound as interesting to me. Like, if I can curb them and sort of influence their play, influence is a little bit different than just, like, stonewalling them <laughs> and making them have, like, no choice whatsoever. And so if the decks were more around cult neophyte and effects like that and less lothab less snowfall guardian less bully you know these very extreme effects that do lock out plays entirely i'd be a lot more open to the shaman strategy being you know acceptable or fun um compared to what i think we have a lot of time now okay so i i will say i still disagree with you guys a little bit about that but i i want to take a little bit of a different direction here if you look at all of these decks that we coin control decks for the past maybe year and a half two years in the format I, i'm just looking back at like reno warlocks reno mages um reno priest was a little bit of an exception because it had that combo finisher uh and then you look here at the the shutterwalk control shaman they all kind of did the same thing where they loot these super powerful battle cries to stall and lock the opponent out until they get to do the super powerful thing that ends the game Right. If you look, Arena Locks did the same thing. Arena Mages with Potion of Illusion and Tortolan Pilgrim did the same thing. Right. And so, argument about uninteractive aside, this is how control decks have to function in our format. Because I, <laughs> I, I don't think control decks can exist without strategies like what you're seeing in Shaman. Um, Shaman, I guess, I, I will admit, is a little bit more extreme than we've seen in stuff like LPG Mage and Rena Locks in the past, but it's that same concept of, I have to stop my opponents from doing something somehow because we don't have stuff like hand disruption or counter spells. This is how we have to interact with our opponent and slow them down and prevent them from doing their strategy, and that's how control decks are going to function in our format. 
I, there's a very big difference though between like preventing removing boards preventing the opponents from realizing their strategies and preventing them from playing the game which like so like i don't know like you can respond to a goldan board you can um you know you can refill after you get a, you know a big defile board clear if the opponent plays a snowfall guardian and chains snowfall guardians i am not playing minions for the rest of the game which means if i have a minion based strategy i am not playing the game and so like there, there's a very big difference for that and you know maybe it is futile to like try and win after a big goldan comes but like at least there's hope at least like at least i'm actively playing card you know dragging cards from my hand into play which is not something that is possible if you're opponent either starts a Lotheb or a Snowfall Guardian Chain. So, like, I don't think that those are at all comparable. I think maybe the, the Turtle Mage is maybe a well, good comparison, I'm... but, like, that's why that's why that was a despised deck is because, like, if it got online, your opponent stopped playing the game. Like, well, I, I think To me, the Gul'dan is not the, like, what I'm equating this to. I'm talking about both of those decks at the time relied on looping. Like, the Arena Lock deck that you're talking about it got to that Gul'dan late game board state by looping stuff like Dirty Rats and Gnome Feratus and Lothebs over and over again until they assemble that Gul'dan sort of finisher. That's Shaman is doing it a completely different way and I will say a little bit more extreme than what we've seen in the past, but it's that same concept that they're doing. And so it's so weird to me that this is what everybody is freaking out about because this is what control decks have done is they've tried to slow and lock your opponent out from doing things that's what control decks do in in the in the format i i I, I guess there's a disconnect there because i see no problem with what shaman is doing is the power level maybe a little bit too high sure right like is snowfall guardian coming down maybe a turn too early still even after it got nerfed quite possibly but is the strategy that they're doing kind of (laughs) is that I don't see any issue with the strategy that they're employing as as a control deck in the format. I don't. I don't think we've seen. I don't know. I would disagree. I would because like at most that you know Reno Warlock gets what three Lothebs and like that's best case scenario and they're a singleton deck. So you it's like very consist- like you it's, you still it's the- loop Lotheb and Zolas and Baristas all the time in that in that deck. I mean, it's the consistency at which it does it, though. Like, the, the Shaman's entire game plan is to lock out the <laughs> the opponent for multiple turns until it, it can win. It's the, the entire game plan is realistically centered around not allowing the opponent to play Hearthstone. And that's, like, that is very different than you play a thing, I remove a thing, I play a guy, we I, you know, I trade into your guy. And, like, it, it's not that... This isn't how control strategies have to be for them for them to be successful and like i mean a good example of this is um you know other control decks would be the the slower druid decks and like so it's not it doesn't necessitate this type of um lack of interactivity for a control deck to be successful and i don't like this is i think a unique case where not only is it happening at an extreme amount but it's extremely consistent and it, realistically it's what the deck's game plan is that is their end goal is to lock the opponent out of playing hearthstone yeah and uh i i think you know even equating the two between Reno lock and free shaman um you you, you kind of can't equate them to me because because like even if a, a deck has the same goal in mind uh you can't like separate that to me from the consistency and the power level right um 
having the goal of like in a certain matchup to loop the low fab is very different depending on how consistently that happens and you know across matchups like how consistently you can kind of do these things and how powerful it is so i don't think that this is what control strategies have to be in wild um you know because, I, like, I disagree with the about statement that you both are making though like this is what control decks about, have to be because they, isn't the they whole don't goal... have to be yeah because isn't the whole goal of combo decks in the format to be un as uh, interactive as possible with as much resiliency to the combo while being as fast as they can so why can't control decks fight on that same axis like what it's worth i, I never said free shaman can't be this I, I mean, I don't like the Shaman yeah. deck right now, but I'm just saying mm. that the, the question is, is the Shaman inter uninteractive? And like, what is the Shaman? I, I think and I, I think a point worth bringing up is that like, a lot of people use interactivity as a value judgment. We're not basic, like there's no, we're not assigning any value to whether or not a deck is interactive. Like it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. There are going to be uninteractive decks and, you know, people are... Generally, the opponent is going to enjoy queuing into it a lot less than the person queuing that deck, and that's always going to be the case. And again, especially in a game like Hearthstone, where interaction is so limited, like there's always going to be inter like uninteractive decks. It's not like I'm not saying free shaman bad because Mino interact. It's just like it is a uniquely uninteractive deck. I don't think that the comparison to Arena Lock is realistic because it like like corb said the the consistency and the the speed at which it gets online is um is very different yeah sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you corby feel free to <laughs> yeah um but uh god i forgot where i was at on that um but yeah the like like strategy with cathundruid right like there are slow archetypes but wild inherently is always going to be a format that gears towards combo and aggression that's kind of just an inevitability of the synergy and this is kind of the opposite extreme, right? Where <laughs> we we are we are, you know, seeing a deck that has a unique amount of synergy when it comes to like repeating um, disruption, which is I, I think something that we haven't really seen before. And so it doesn't surprise me that people see a deck like this. And you make the comparison to like Rainer Lock, but I think for a lot of people this feels something very different. To me, this feels incredibly different than something like Rainer Lock. Um, like they're not really. All too yeah, similar to me. Okay. Other than... I, I will say, first of all, I admit that we have kind of geared away from this original question of interactive versus uninteractive, mm -hmm. and I apologize for that. But I, the reason I brought up the comparison to Renalock was Renalock aimed to do the same thing that Shaman did. The consistency and the power level at which they did that does differ, right? I, I've conceded that fact that Shaman is doing it at probably a much higher power level than the other control deck has done. I just don't think that control decks can exist if they are not going after this strategy just in general. And the fact that we're seeing this in Shaman is probably why it's so successful is because we have cards like Macaw and Snowfall Guardian to combine with stuff like Lothabs and Bullies. Like, I, I don't know... In, in a game like Hearthstone, where the interaction is already limited, this is how you have to control the game. And I don't know if you agree with that, but... How, how else are you supposed to stop these obscenely synergistic combos if you're not doing stuff like what the Shaman is doing? Well, I mean, we, we just saw a deck like even Reno Lock, for example, be very successful for a period. It had like a decent matchup into things like Odd Hunter and Ignite Mage. Like even Warlock was uh, a favorite over Ignite Mage. 
Uh, well, even Warlock did, uh, like a like a close to even or slightly favored, and um, you know, and then like we have things like Cthulhu Druid. So, uh, I I think like these strategies can never exist um, outside doing this one specific thing. Like I, I don't think that's necessarily true, um, and it also just depends on like the varying degrees, right? Like that that's just the biggest thing that it comes down to is to what degree are players interacting with each other. And it all comes back to what I said earlier, where I'm fine with Colt Neophyte being a thing. I'm fine with watch post, you know, being a thing because I think those are a lot less extreme. Um, and it's fine when an even warlock, I think, does a lot of that stuff. But the more extreme the tech card, whether it's Geist, uh, whether it's Lothab, um, the higher the risk is that one player is not going to be able to actually be able to play Hearthstone. And I think that's always the biggest issue I have with extreme tech cards. And when an entire deck is built around how can I abuse these tech cards, these extreme tech cards, as much as possible, as hard as I can, and it is consistently doing that, that's where I think I have an issue where we haven't seen that kind of thing before. Even if, yes, if you are going to try to play a defensive, super techie deck like this, yeah, you do have to try and abuse things like it. That doesn't make it, like, fun. Like, just because that's the goal of the Shaman, I don't think that makes the Shaman necessarily fun to play against. Oh, don't know how much a control deck should have a response to uh to to like combo decks right like it right. You, you like you 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 need some balance within a, a healthy metagame and like you know control keeps uh aggro honest and um you know the um and then combo uh kind of does the same for control so like i don't I don't think it necessarily needs to look this way in order for it to, to be a control deck. And I don't know. I think some would argue that maybe um, we'd rather it not. I think it's it's fine that decks like that exist, and I think they should be able to. Um, but I, I think this conversation has gone a little bit further and uh, from where we initially started. And I don't even know if we came to an agreement about this because i think we're still a little bit split on our our definition of interactive or uninteractive when it comes to the shaman deck to begin with but i think we can conclude that it is a good deck or yeah, i, I want to leave you or good like even after even after all that like i don't i don't have a problem with 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 shaman necessarily but like again calling it uninteractive isn't a value judgment it's not like shaman bad because uninteractive it's mm -hmm. just the, the the way it is like in um you know i i think snowfall guardian maybe puts it at a in a dangerous spot just because it can lock out too many aspects of uh your opponent uh, too easily it's uh, so um i think i don't know for me like corb mentioned lothab um for me uh i think snowfall is like what makes it very uninteractive because so many effects in Hearthstone are tied to minions that, like, if you can't play a minion, you can't, again, you can't have that interaction with the, the opponent in, in response, necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I'm probably not being as eloquent as I probably want to be since I brought up this argument and, <laughs> and point, given that it is midnight on a Sunday. But <laughs> I, I will say, like, I, I still hold that. My I guess the last point I'll make on this is, like, in a, in a game where decks are aiming to be as uninteractive as possible, I think stuff like Lothab and Snowfall Guardians are fine because they force the opponent to alter their game plan. And maybe we'll never agree on this, and that's that's okay. <laughs> I, 
I, I think those cards are fine too, but like they reach critical mass and shaman. Yeah, is, yeah, no, no, that's part fair. of the issue. That's fair. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think it just depends. You know, well, like I think interaction, like the, uh, you know, it always comes back to the power level and consistency and all that kind of stuff. Because you know, some disruption is great, and to you, like Lothab and looping the Lothabs is something that's acceptable. To me, I think it's a bit, it's a bit much, but. After all of that yelling and arguing, we're not supposed to come to an agreement here at the very end. That's that's not what's supposed to happen. Come on. Oh, we're not in agreement. I think Shaman's bullshit. But yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, agree to disagree uh, about this. I, I don't think it's any less bullshit than stuff like Pirate Warrior and no. <laughs> and all of that that's running oh, around the floor. We're definitely so. in agreement there. That you just <laughs> won me over with the Pirate Warrior argument. Just bring that up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm on his side. I'm on board now. <laughs> Let's go. Or Corbin right. switching teams. <laughs> Yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, all of you guys listening, let us know down in the comments below, uh, kind of where you fall on this, both uninteractive and interactive side of the argument, and just more, just kind of the extent to which these tech cards play a role, and, and whether they should be playing as powerful a role as they are, uh, kind of in the format right now. Let us know down in the comments. And even after all of that, even though you guys disagree with me, I do still love having you guys on the podcast. Appreciate y'all, Raffle and Corb. Uh, let the people know where they guys, uh, where they can find your content. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RaffleHS and uh, YouTube and Twitch at Raffle. And you can always find me at Corbett Games on all those platforms. That's Corbett Games. Thanks very much for watching slash listening, guys. And you can find me at Get Me Off on all those platforms as well. Uh, hope you guys are enjoying the post-patch meta as, as much as you can. And uh, we'll check back in next week uh, to talk about all of these decks and uh, any other further developments that pop up in the next week. You guys have a good one, and we'll see you guys next time. Later.